We certainly took advantage of the last 15 months to completely pivot and create an employee experience with employee as consumer in mind. And this really provided a catalyst for us to create a more dynamic and modern and collaborative experience for our employees at Mattel. Our employee-centric model focuses on five areas of well-being, physical, emotional, financial, career, and social. And in addition to providing customizable benefit packages that are designed to fit the lifestyle and budget of each of our employees, we also provide additional benefits and programs throughout the year to support the environment so our employees can truly thrive. That was Mattel EVP and Chief People Officer, Amy Thompson. And in this episode, it was really good to sit down with Amy, a former colleague of mine from Ticketmaster back in the day, to talk about her career path and some of the work that she is doing leading the HR transformation at Mattel. So we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey, so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Redefining HR. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and today I'm really excited about this guest for a range of reasons, but one of them is that uh, Amy is a former colleague of mine at Ticketmaster back in the day. And so it's been awesome to watch her career evolve since that time, and we're going to get into that and a lot more. So Amy is the EVP and Chief People Officer for Mattel, and there is a lot for us to cover today. So Amy, it's awesome to reconnect. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, Why don't you give the uh, listeners and viewers just a a brief introduction and background on you? Sure. Lars, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to reconnect as always. As Lars mentioned, I am the Chief People Officer at Mattel and lead all facets of the human resource organization, including talent management, compensation and benefits, diversity and inclusion, leadership in organizational design and development. And over the past few years, Our primary focus has been on driving the cultural transformation at the company and working with the executive team and leaders to champion Mattel's mission and values to ensure optimal collaboration. I am based in LA and I am a proud mother of three teenagers. There's so much to get into with your current role, and I do want to spend a lot of time on that. But before we even get into that, like you've your career has had a range of different um, high impact roles in, in high profile organizations. And I do want to explore a couple of those. But before we even get into those, why HR? Like what originally drew you to the field? You know, I, I love being part of winning teams and um, truly nothing brings me more joy than helping others achieve success. And so You know, removing barriers, both operational and psychological, um, so employees can be their best and most productive and engaged self at work is very rewarding to me. So that's what what drew me to the function. 
Yeah. And so you, you know, I mentioned in the intro, we worked together at Ticketmaster uh, back in the day. Uh, after Ticketmaster, you went on to Starbucks to a range of different HR leadership roles. Then you were the chief people officer at Tom's um, before landing at Mattel. And so I want to get into your work at Mattel. But before we do that, like looking back at those, you know, three uh, experiences, kind of iconic brands, you know, what is something that you you took from each of those that you brought with you into your leadership role at Mattel? You know, I think one of the largest lessons for me personally is just um, how critical leaders are to business transformation and culture change and equipping leaders, um, not only with the strategy, but with the tools to communicate and engage employees to lead with empathy, to empower employees to make decisions and drive results is truly essential to sustain transformation and change. And, you know, one example that we've been employing at Mattel is what we call Leading at Mattel. And Leading at Mattel is a monthly newsletter that includes conversation starters and leadership guides for leaders to maintain a pulse on their teams and really address current sentiment throughout the company. And while it may sound um, basic, it's actually been highly effective at empowering leaders to create leader-led change at scale at the company and in a very coordinated way. So I imagine, you know, most most viewers are familiar with Mattel, um, you know, as a, as a brand, as a, uh, you know, Toy maker, all, all the different components of Mattel, they probably don't have a good understanding of, um, you know, b- behind the Barbie, so to speak, like the, 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 the corporate group. If you could maybe give an overview of company size, you know, locations, and then perhaps a window into your people team to support that population. Sure, you bet. Um, well, Mattel is a leading global toy company and owner of one of the strongest catalogs of children's and family entertainment franchises in the world. We create innovative products and experiences that inspire and entertain and develop children through play. And we engage our consumers through our portfolio of iconic brands such as Barbie, which you mentioned, and Hot Wheels, Fisher-Price, American Girl, Thomas and Friends, Una, Mega, Masters of the Universe, which is really popular right now. In addition to this, we you know, also offer film and television content, gaming and music and live events. And with 30,000 employees um, across the world, we operate in 35 countries and our products are available in more than 150 countries worldwide in collaboration with you know, the world's leading retailers and e-commerce companies. From a global HR perspective, our team truly functions as one team. We are aligned in purpose and priority and have been really central to Mattel's business and cultural transformation over the past several years. We are organized primarily in two COEs. So we have our global talent and inclusion COE and our global pay and well-being COE. And these two groups are responsible for developing end-to-end employee experiences that attract Uh, develop and engage our employees in a very purpose-centered workplace globally. And then we have our HR business partners, and our HRBPs are both aligned and integrated to each of the business units, and they are primarily responsible for translating their business unit um, priorities into locally relevant HR plans to 
build capability for the future, to drive organizational performance, and to accelerate culture transformation. Is interesting about your career path is it's uh, it, it seems to be from the outside kind of deliberately moving into different sectors along the way. You know, you had you know ticketing and 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 sports and live events and entertainment with Ticketmaster, Starbucks, Tom's, and now Mattel. So what, what was it about the opportunity at Mattel that that compelled you to to move over from Tom's? You know, um, working for iconic brands and mission-based companies has always been really important to me. And so that was certainly um, a draw to Mattel in addition to, you know, the mission and purpose of the company to inspire the next generation of of kids in a really meaningful way. Um, When I joined the company in fall of 2017, um, we were going into our 17th straight quarter of business decline. Uh, employee engagement was at an all-time low. We were hemorrhaging talent. Um, equity was underwater. I mean, there was no no short list of challenges to be addressed. And so, you know, as a starting point, Mattel's multi-year business strategy, which outlines our short to mid and mid to long-term uh, priorities, was really our anchor point. Um, from there, I aligned, you know, the HR strategy and structure accordingly to further accelerate our growth mindset across the company. And once that was established, we really worked with um, the business insights from our employees and global workforce trends to set our HR goals. And you know, I think key to our progress was um, truly holding ourselves accountable by measuring and reporting our our progress uh, quarter by quarter. The other key uh, success factor to our transformation plan was integrating our values. So we have three values at Mattel, collaboration, innovation, and execution. And we're really intentional about threading the values and values-based leadership behaviors through the end-to-end employee life cycle. Um, So that was really essential to resetting expectations on what it means to lead at the company, but also to ignite Um, this behavior change we wanted to see in a very purposeful way. Another element of our success from an HR perspective has been how nimble we've been in terms of adapting to progress, but also decommissioning and and letting go of old ways of working. Um, You know, for a company that's been in operation for more than 75 years, you can imagine there's quite a bit of legacy process and administration and bureaucracy that we really needed to cut through to streamline and drive a more efficient um, organization. And so so we did that. You know, and then finally, surrounding yourself with the, the incredible group of highly competent and resilient HR business partners was also key to our transformation and success. And they have been truly inst- instrumental in accelerating progress over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think when you, anytime you come into that, um, HR transformation environment, particularly at the scale that you're operating, um, there's always going to be that level of kind of legacy HR debt that you have to cut through to be able to start, you know, kind of changing the systems and the processes and the behaviors and the tools and all the things that come with HR transformation. And I think on the subject of HR transformation, uh, you know, the last 18 months in particular um, have been a pretty massive catalyst for transformation, um, frankly, in all businesses and all orgs around the world. And so I'm curious to get your perspective, like, you know, the, you know, just saying the events of the last 18 months, so much has been in there, right? You have obviously the pandemic, 
You have the increased conversations around social justice and inequity. Um, you have conversations around shift to remote and hybrid and flexible work. Uh, each Individually, each of those is a macro event impacting our field, but coupled together, it's it's transformative. And I'm curious from your perspective, like as as a leader, like not even necessarily you know related to your team, but like as a chief people officer, when you look back at the last 18 months um, that you've experienced, how have they reshaped how you think about the field? That's a great question. And as my team would tell you, I always say, um, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. <laughs> so, you know, we, we certainly took advantage of the last 15 months to completely pivot and create an employee experience with employee as consumer in mind. And this really provided a catalyst for us to create a more dynamic and modern and collaborative experience for our employees at Mattel. And so, you know, we started with flexibility and not only is flexibility a key enabler to our business, but to the well-being of our employees. And our employee-centric model focuses on five areas of well-being, physical, emotional, financial, career, and social. And in addition to providing customizable benefit packages that are designed to fit the lifestyle and budget of each of our employees, we also provide additional benefits and programs throughout the year to support the environment so our employees can truly thrive. So I'd love to just break that down for you a little bit and explain kind of each pillar and what we've been focused on. For example, uh, to encourage physical activity uh, while working from home, we adjusted our fitness offerings by going virtual. So in addition to struggling with isolation, we knew that many of our employees weren't getting the daily movement and exercise they were accustomed to. So we quickly pivoted to offer fun live workouts from home that employees can do with their family members um, or themselves. And to engage even a broader audience, we took that a step further and implemented our first ever Mattel Global Steps Challenge to encourage some friendly competition um, across our regions, but more importantly, to get our employees moving. And we clocked over 105,000 steps worldwide, and all of this benefited our collective goal of supporting pediatric cancer research. So that's, that's physical. To support emotional well-being, you know, we communicate often about our employee assistance program and have complimentary access to Talkspace, which is a really neat app that provides real-time counseling via text or video. That ensures that employees who need support can get it right when they need it at any time of the day. But we also heightened our focus on mental health as well. And, um, you know, Mattel also offers Headspace subscriptions to our employees, but we took that partnership a step further by diagnosing through our Pulse survey, you know, what were the top issues that employees were really struggling with. And from there, we designed monthly custom meditation and mindfulness experiences. Um, so for example, our sustainability ERG hosted a session focused on um, reconnecting with the earth, while our Black at Mattel session introduced our Black community to content around grief and injustice. Um, we even extended um, an offering to Mattel employees and their kids, sponsored by our parents' ERG, that introduced, you know, fun Sesame Street content and really showed parents um, how they can create meaningful time 
for themselves by leveraging this app as well. So mindfulness and, and mental health has been a key focus of ours as well. From a financial wellness perspective, you know, living a well-rounded life is, is key to our employees' success and thriving. So we offer a broad spectrum of resources from student loan refinancing to re- retirement programs and everything in between so our employees can be healthy financially. And, you know, newer to the total well-being discussion, we firmly believe that career wellness Um, is also a key driver of employees living a full and purposeful life. So we have a um, career action planning program that facilitates these conversations. And, you know, we've been intentional about incorporating a discussion around flexibility into career development so that employees can continue to balance um, the demands between work and home. And then finally, um, social wellness and belonging have never been more important, and we've worked hard to provide unique opportunities for our employees to connect virtually over the past year. Our employee resource groups, we have eight of them, have been uh, key drivers of this effort, and these affinity groups are truly designed to foster not only an inclusive workplace, but to organize learning opportunities and discussions to encourage and elevate you know, open and honest conversations around the topics that matter most to our employees. So, um, you know, being part of Mattel, we know, um, goes beyond these connections and, you know, being part of something much bigger and joining global conversations around how we all can contribute to a better world is really taking the forefront of these discussions. So being um, part of a, a true community and giving back is incredibly important to our employees. And last year, you may have seen, Lars, we launched the Play It Forward campaign, which was a program designed to leverage our brands, but also drive awareness and give back to important causes. So through this platform, we launched the Thank You Heroes campaign, which was intended to support you know, frontline workers and everyday heroes who are keeping our communities up and running during the pandemic. And then earlier this year, we launched the Mattel Playback Program, which is our own in-house toy take-back program that will enable families to extend the life of their Mattel toys. Um, So once they're finished playing with them, they can be recovered and reused into materials to um, support future product development at the company and really start to teach children about the importance of protecting the planet. So, you know, our employees are especially proud of the commitments we've made to the earth and to communities and to our own Mattel family. And we look forward to building on these commitments to create a better future and a true sense of belonging for everyone at the company. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR is now broadened into a entire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at redefininghr.com. And now, back to the show. 
Yeah, well, I, I appreciate the way you break down your uh, approach to wellness and the multifaceted approach to wellness, because I think that that is so important to kind of look at that holistically and through a few different angles. And there was another thing you said that uh, that also kind of you know captured my attention is um, the idea of having a, a flexible portfolio of benefits that employees can opt into. And that to me is, that's the future of HR, right? I think that we, in, in many ways, with the way we've operated in the past, you know, is by playbooks, one size fits all, you know, everybody fits into this, whether you need it or not. Uh, the future is flexible. And the future is us about, is about us trying to create different offerings that employees can opt into based on how that aligns with their own life circumstances and choices. And I think that, you know, the pushback you often hear is that, oh, you can't do that at scale, right? Yeah, it's easy for a startup to do that, but you can't do that at scale. And you're proof that you can do that at scale. So, uh, yeah, it's great to see, um, you know, see your leadership and actually creating that, uh, that, you know, that flexibility and that choice. Um, and another project that I know you launched uh, within last year, I should say a milestone that you achieved that I'd love to learn a little bit more about as well, is you announced that uh, Mattel had reached 100% pay equity. Um, and so, you know, I know that that is a topic uh, certainly related to the broader conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, within organizations. And I'm curious, like, what was your roadmap to get there? And then, you know, do you have any advice for your, um, your peers and contemporaries who might be, you know, working within their organizations to, you know, narrow and ultimately eliminate that gap? So, you know, at Mattel, we know that we're at our best when every member of our team feels respected, included, and heard. And when everyone can show up as the, their best selves and do their best work every day. Um, you know, at Mattel, with a woman co-founder and women's representation and leadership throughout our history, we've had a longstanding commitment to diversity and inclusion and, you know, continue to focus on cultivating a work environment that promotes equality and inclusion and empowerment. And recently, um, as you mentioned, I, I shared a progress update on our uh, DNI goals on a blog on our corporate website where I announced that um, we had achieved 100% pay equity for all employees globally. You know, that update also includes updates on our other two goals, which include increasing the representation of, of women and ethnically diverse talent at the company. So you can read more about that there. But the important piece is in addition to setting goals. You know, we've also been equally focused on creating uh, a more diverse and inclusive world through our Playfair initiative. And the Playfair initiative was established last year to address the systemic racism and violence against the black community that we were seeing, you know, throughout the U.S. And as part of that effort, you know, last month we sponsored um, the Boys and Girls Club. They, they have a national Keystone Conference where we participated on a panel and supported um, many of the students' development in that organization as well. So the key is, you know, in addition to setting goals, finding ways to connect the strategy and impact um, into the community and society through you know, other initiatives has been key to our success. And, you know, my advice to peers would be um, to be courageous and um, to do the right thing, you know, set meaningful goals, stick to them and publish progress updates on a regular basis. 
At Mattel, we have found that making inclusion a priority and communicating with transparency has been essential to building trust and commitment across the company. And we've also integrated those principles of equity and inclusion through the entire end-to-end employee experience. Um, so it's it's truly embedded. It's very much integrated into how we lead, how we communicate, how we grow and develop talent. Um, and this has been key to our success. Yeah, and that 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 complete kind of end-to-end integration, I think, is so important and, and you know, should be kind of under, underlined because I think that it is, you know, to truly make progress, it has to be consciously and continually you know, integrated into all of your, you know, people operations and systems. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate you giving, giving us a window into that. Um, you know, one thing I'm curious, just from your kind of personal perspective, like the, the events of the last 15, 18 months have been challenging for everybody, but I think there has been a unique kind of burden on the role of a, of a chief people officer, a CHRO, you're, you're, you're front and center in all of these things. Uh, you're, you're experiencing all of these things as a leader, as an executive peer, kind of coaching your executive counterparts, um, leading your own teams, leading all of your employees, but also experiencing this as an individual. And I think we've seen, um, you know, the level of of, of burnout is uh, is massive in HR leadership, just because of the unique and acute uh, emotional toll of of all of the experiences. So, for you, like, how do you, you know, at a, at a you know drilling down, like, how do you practice self-care? But like, how do you, how do you do that? And how do you find ways to preserve your reserve, so to speak, so that, you know, you, you are able to, you know, ensure your own kind of longevity as a leader, uh, you know, both within the organization and obviously, uh, you know, with your family as well. This is, this is definitely an exercise in stamina and resilience for sure. I mean, for all HR leaders, as you mentioned, Um, you know, for me, I, I manage my time really well. I set boundaries and I stick to them. Um, I work out every day and I sleep. Um, and I usually practice one thing every day outside of work that brings me joy. But I think the biggest improvement for me, quite honestly, is that, um, and I started doing this last year when you know we were being pulled in so many directions. The one thing that I do is I create space in my schedule so that I can pivot when I need to. And that in and of itself has been a huge game changer because, you know, in our roles and capacity, you can't always anticipate what's coming next. And so just having the space in the day so you can flex has been um, essential to diffusing the stress and strain that comes with just, you know, time management. And and how do you actually do that? Like, do you block time in your calendar? I do. Yeah. Okay, good. Tell me about that because I'm a huge fan of like, time blocking because I think you know the and you know especially in a role like yours your calendar gets consumed and so if you're not actually putting something in there to hold the time it's going to be taken so like what what have you found for you that that helps you do that yeah I mean I block time but but one thing that we've been talking about um, as a company is just being real intentional and purposeful about meeting time like does this topic require a meeting? Can you accomplish this in an email? Does it need to be a full hour? Can it be 45? Can it be 35 minutes? I mean, it's it's the fundamentals and the basics, but I think when, when everybody's remote and rolling from one Zoom meeting to the next, you need to just have those mental checkpoints of like, 
do I really need to be at that meeting? Can I delegate it to somebody else? Um, you know, is there a more efficient way to get a decision made? So we're, we're really um, trying to inspire that level of um, review and discussion at the company to just create space in everybody's calendar. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we're really just scratching the surface on the potential of asynchronous communication and collaboration and like really moving away from those meeting cultures, which most of us had, to finding other ways to kind of optimize outcomes. So it's uh, that 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 is, you know, as we kind of talk about this next chapter for HR and business, absolutely, that's a part of it. I think the companies that get async right early are going to unlock so much potential. So. Um, Amy, thanks so much for walking me through your role at Mattel. You know, we wrap up all of these episodes with a lightning round just to help the, uh, the viewers and listeners get to know you a little bit better. So you ready to jump in? I am. All right. So music, you know, I'm checking out your Spotify playlist. Who will I learn are your top three artists? Okay. I'm going to open up Spotify right now and just read. Oh, you're going to give me I an exact. This is lot. exact. <laughs> I bounce around a lot. So this is just like, you know. For the now. Yeah. Um, okay. Top three. The Keep Going podcast. Um, 80s rock anthems. Yes. Some good crew and GNR in there. Nice. Um, and Jock Jams. And Jock Jams. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, you, you, I feel like those would still work in the Dark Ticketmaster days. So <laughs> I, I, I appreciate True. the retro. Um, all right. What is your least favorite HR buzzword? Mm, a seat at the table. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm with you. You know, this phrase has been synonymous with HR for decades. And in my mind, we will have truly achieved parity and appropriate recognition when that phrase is no longer needed to substantiate HR leadership. You know, it's funny, like I, I, I'm I spend a lot of my time, uh, you know, really kind of trying to spotlight modern HR and people practices. And through that, you know, I, I've done a lot of kind of research on like the delta between legacy HR and modern HR. And I don't know any modern HR operators who have ever uttered that phrase other than to mock it. You know, there, there's just, uh, they're there. They're, there's, there's no proving themselves. There's no like, oh, I have to prove, like they're there. They're part of that. There's, their executive team sees them as that. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Let's, let's retire that. Um, I know this question puts you on the spot as a chief people officer, but I'm gonna do it anyway. What, what is your favorite HR function? Um. You know, I would say diversity, equity, and inclusion because um, creating a sense of belonging is our ultimate goal and truly transcends all functions at the company. Uh, and if you weren't working in HR, what would you be doing? Running uh, a fitness studio, ah. for sure. Any particular uh, classes, focus, or just broad No, fitness? it would be a boutique studio and it would have a combination of um, Pilates and some cardio and weight training. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, and last question for you, Amy. Uh, who is one HR leader who you admire and why? You know, I, I think it first needs to be said, um, I have so much respect and admiration for all HR leaders and um teams around the world who have been thrust into responding to the disruption and challenges imposed by COVID. And, you know, while there have been many benefits that have emerged as we've adapted to newer and more progressive ways of working, uh, it hasn't been easy. And it certainly is not over either. So, you know, to that end, it's been really great to see the global HR community coming together across industries to 
share insights and best practices and forms and tools and communications. And, you know, in some way, it's it's been unifying um, to strengthen and evolve our practice and particularly helpful, I think, to HR leaders at smaller companies that, you know, have less resources and infrastructure to respond to these challenges. So I just, you know, the past year has really illuminated um, so much pride in what we do and how we're shaping the future of work. You know, if I had to identify one leader I admire, it would be Kathleen Hogan. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure you're either the second or possibly the third uh, who has cited Kathleen Hogan. So I think at this point, I feel like it's it's meta and I have to reach out and have her on the podcast to talk more about what she's building at Microsoft. I mean, the the massive business and culture transformation that she has led at scale at Microsoft has been incredibly impressive. Yeah, well, and I'm really glad in your answer as well that you you called out um, the the that the openness and collaboration and peer to peer learning um, has been central. And to me, that's probably the single most transformative aspect of our shift and, and evolution from legacy HR to modern HR, it's our moving away from black box approaches and thinking to open source. Yes. Uh, and the fact that we're, we're so much more willing to share our templates, share our toolkits, share our failures, um, and support each other through this. That we, we've kind of moved away from those zero-sum, you know, war for talent nonsense uh, you know, ideologies of our past and uh, are really kind of embracing this new collaborative, open, and together future. And, uh, and, and that's huge. And, uh, and I want to thank you for your you know, contributions to that as well, because I think as more leaders embrace that, uh, work out loud, so to speak, um, all of us get better for it. So um, Amy, it's been awesome. Thanks thank so much you. for coming on the show. It was great catching up and I appreciate you sharing uh, your journey and your story in Mattel with all of us. Lars, thank you. And thank you for investing in our HR community and creating this forum to connect and, and share insights. It's been great to be a part of it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.